You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our interview with the writer and director of Humor Me, Sam Hoffman. All right. What's going on? I need to make a change, Nate. You stop taking care of yourself. You're getting fat. I'm getting that fat? You still don't have an ending. They were burned alive. These people were all, um... Still working out on this. I think it's better if we don't work together anymore. We're closed. Take line. No, he left me. Was it unexpected? Uh, no, we planned it a year in advance. Call Dad. He's got that spare room. I'm not staying with Dad. Hi, Dad. What do you think of the place? It's, uh, beige. I can't believe you've never been here before. How long have you been working on this one? Not long. Four years. Maybe Nate's blocked. He's not being productive. Good news. I found you a job. This is where you're going to work. Am I getting paid for this? Your father has garnished your wages in lieu of rent. Dad, I'm an award-winning playwright. I'm open to other ideas. Welcome to the Cranberry Bog Players. This is Dee and Helen and Gert, and that's Allison. We're getting ready for our next show. Ah! Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. I'm Daniel Howitt, and I have a very special guest joining us today. Sam Hoffman created the web series Old Jews Telling Jokes, which later became a book and then a play. And before that, Hoffman had a very successful career in film, assistant directing a number of major projects, Royal Tenenbaum, School of Rock, Groundhog Day. He currently produces and directs the TV show Madam Secretary. But most recently, and the reason we're here, is that he wrote and directed the movie Humor Me, starring Jermaine Clement and Elliot Gould. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, this Humor Me is a father-son comedy about a struggling playwright who's forced to move in with his joke-telling dad in a New Jersey retirement community. Uh, Sam, I really enjoyed the film. It was a great project. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. So this was your uh, feature writing and directing debut. Is this a project that you've been sitting on for a while, or is it maybe a more recent idea? Um, yeah, I, no, I haven't been sitting on it. I've been, it, it, I've been, it's been gestating and in the, in the works for probably, uh, it takes a while to get these things going. I was, I started writing it probably in around 2011 and I started actively trying to get it made probably around 2014. Okay. Um, but it took a couple of years to get it actually cast and financed and going. We shot it in 2016 and now it's arriving in the theaters in 2018. Right, right. Awesome. And and there seems to be some obvious connective tissue uh, between humor me and old Jews telling jokes. Is there? Do you almost see this as kind of an adaptation uh, of, of of some kind? No, I would say it's more in, inspiration than adaptation sure. because um, you know old Jews telling jokes was kind of like you know it was in a weird way sort of like a documentary and ethnological sort of like project, right? Um, and then the the guys who did the play with me, uh, Dan Okren and Peter Gethers, they they took the material that we had uh, put together on the website and and made it into kind of like a review for for the for the off Broadway play. But it, that, I don't think any of that really sort of like sustains as a as a motion picture. That's why sure. I, I think of it more of an inspiration, mostly for for Elliot Gould's character, uh, but also for some of the themes uh, sure. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Our jokes are obviously a huge, uh, huge theme of the film. It opens with with Bob dramatically telling one of his jokes, um, and and Elliot Gould, uh, of course, the a legend. Uh, I mean, what was it like working with such great talent? 
Well, you know, the thing about being a a director uh, um, is that the the more talented people you surround yourself with, the the better you look. (laughs) Right. So, um, you know, it was. So to answer your question, it was great working with um, such talented people because they were constantly making my ideas and my material and my plans uh, better with their ideas and what they brought to it. So um, I I loved it. It was a it was a joy every day. Yeah, I mean you can definitely tell that uh, Gould was was loving the role. It's it's a perfect role for him. Uh, this kind of goofy joke telling guy. Um, and it's great for Jermaine as well. Um, I loved his character. Uh, and it seemed like he really had fun because it's both a funny character, but also, you know, pent up uh, emotion and, and lost his wife and all this stuff. And um, I thought he really nailed it. Was Jermaine somebody you had in mind for a long time or was it just kind of a did it just kind of happen? No, Jermaine was somebody that I always really liked um, and I always kind of was a big fan of his work. I was, I loved him in Flight of the Concords. I loved him in Eagle versus Shark. Yeah. Um, I, I always kind of felt like Jermaine was the kind of guy where you kind of can't keep your eyes off of him. You're like, he's got a certain magnetism. He's got kind of a real kind of offbeat sort of, uh, hands. He's handsome, but kind of in a not like traditional way. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's like really smart and that kind of comes across and his humor is like very dry and I don't know, I just always kind of loved him. And so when he expressed an interest in the part, I got, I got really excited and we met. And, you know, I said, well, what do you, how, are you gonna, can you do an American accent? And he said, well, I never have. And, and so that became like a little bit of a thing we had to deal with because sure. I didn't really, the character is kind of a New York character. It didn't feel right for him to be somebody from New Zealand, you know. So right. we had to figure that out. But he was really a sport and he, he, he learned how to speak an American accent. I think he was. I think he was mimicking me at times. <laughs> um, but, but he did great. You know, I think. He, yeah. he, I think he really pulls it off in the movie. Yeah, like and like I said, it, and, you, you know, it, Jermaine's like. Well, it's Jermaine. It's interesting because like Jermaine and Elliot, like they're both really great uh, performers, but they're very different. And I think part of it is that they're very different parts of their career. You know, Jermaine is like a guy, you know, in the middle of his career, and, and Elliot is a man who's, you know, done it all. Right. And. Um, so Jermaine is a guy who like will he would he would do he'll do like he would do it all night if he could like just because he's always got a different thing he wants to try like you could do a hundred you could do like Kubrick level takes with Jermaine and he would right. not care like he <laughs> he would do a hundred takes of like you know looking at a computer and like you know just talking to a computer just because he he he's, has fun with it and there's yeah. always something new he wants. To try. Whereas, like Elliot, and this is true of, you know, I've worked with a fair amount of older actors and more mature actors. Elliot, you know, does it a couple times and he nails it and he's like, okay, let's move on. Right. You know, so it's kind of funny when the two of them are, are in the same frame together <laughs> because you have to sort of like figure out how to manage the way both of them like to work. Right. Right. I mean, and you can tell uh, everything you said about Jermaine, you can tell that on screen. I mean, uh, I, I, the, my favorite scene in the movie is, is when he is fending off the advances of Helen and it leads to the Vespa chase and all that. And, and it really you can tell that he's having fun uh, with the role, uh, even even because, like I said, there's the funny parts and the, and the, the deeper emotions underneath. 
Uh, yeah, he was fantastic. And the supporting cast here is excellent. Um, you have Ingrid yeah. Michaelson making her acting debut. How did how did that kind of come about? You know, I was listening. I was actually writing the screenplay, uh, and one of her songs came on, uh, like at one of the streaming services, and I thought, "Wow, who is this Ingrid Michaelson?" She like the tone of the song was like so melancholy yet still kind of hopeful, right? You know, and I was like, "That's that that's kind of a nice tone for this movie." I wonder who this. Ingrid Michaelson is, and I started watching her videos, and I, I kind of like, you know, was started really becoming enamored with her. Like she's so beautiful, she's so charismatic, and um, she's so talented, and she's so natural, you know. Right. And so I just I sent her a note, you know, hey, wanna do you want? Are you interested in acting? And is this something you'd consider? Also, the part is a musician, you know, and yeah. I kind of felt like getting a real musician in there would be useful. You know, and she uh, she really she was great. You know, and she brought a lot to the table. She brought a lot to the character, and I I loved her performance. Yeah, she was excellent. Uh, so is that something you do? Do you listen to music a lot as you're writing, getting getting in the right uh, mood and tone as you're as you're working on your projects? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, a lot of times it's like you know you'll be writing and. You, you think there might be a good music cue at the time, and so you want to like listen to that song or that sort of type of music to think of, about how the feel of the scene might be. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times you don't end up getting the song that you imagined when you were writing it, but it still gives you a, it gives you something to kind of like push against in terms of tone, in terms of mood. Right. Yeah, uh, tell me about some of your other inspirations as you were writing. Were there some films or or other pieces of art that kind of inspired specifically this film? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I always like really like those Mike Nichols movies that, um, like back in the day of Carnal Knowledge, yeah. where they weren't really comedies or dramas. And but they weren't like dramedies, you know what I mean? They were like both comedies and dramas, yeah. you know. And and because that's what life is, and that's that's actually like reality. Reality is that there are funny moments and there are sad moments, and that's kind of how we get through it. And I sort of those those the tones of those movies, I think, was always like an inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, there's a little sequence in the movie, and maybe you can guess what it is that I was like was my you know I've done four movies with Wes Anderson, and so there was there was a little sequence in the movie that I kind of think of as my Wes sequence. Uh, you know. Well, there the, the shot during the Vespa golf uh, cart chase from the sky looked very kind of Wes Anderson. Was that is that what you're no. referring to? No, actually, it's no, it's actually the. I mean, although you're right. Um, no, it's actually the little montage where he's describing the um, the community. Oh yes, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And because like Wes really likes to do tracking shots with with um, uh, with sort of whip pans. Yes, with, yeah. with ninety degree whip pans, and so that was my sort of like Wes montage because it was always it was all sort of like long, fast, horizontal tracks with right. that ended on whip pans. You know, and but the, of course that's just like a sort of a technical nod to Wes. Yeah. Um, but so, but he definitely had a little, a little influence there. And um, you know, I think that when when 
the the old the 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 Jewish humor and the culture of like old Jews telling jokes definitely had a seeping infiltration in terms of the the storytelling and the tone of the of the community. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as far as the jokes go that that Bob tells, so he uh you you kind of act out the jokes that he's telling in black and white sequences. Um, how did that idea, is that something you always wanted to do in this, in this piece or did you kind of go back and forth? No, that was, that was part of my kind of original concept was that there would be four jokes, you know, one at the beginning and one at sort of like the sort of act end, first act end, one at the middle and one at the second act mm-hmm. end that would act as sort of signposts, but also be like, um, I wanted them to sort of like be commentary on the A story. Right. So they're the subtext of the jokes, not, not necessarily the text of the jokes, but the subtext of the jokes is actually sort of like a Greek chorus on what Jermaine's character, the protagonist is going through. Right. Um, and, you know, he, so, so they go from, like, the first one's emasculation, the second one is not, you know, not fitting in, the third one is um, Desert Island, and the fourth one is trying to reconnect with his dad. You know, that's the, right. sort of, like, the subtext of the four jokes, and they, they sort of, like, you know, shine back on the, on the, A, on the A story. Yeah, that's great. Um, if that if that if that comes across, oh no, definitely. Maybe it doesn't need to come across. Maybe it maybe it's just like there. No, I, no, I thought that was great because those are definitely unique pieces in the movie, um, and so they definitely stand out. That's great. Um, you mentioned uh, little bits of inspiration here and there from you know your work with Wes Anderson. Were there any other you know you've you've worked on so many legendary projects and with when with fantastic directors as an assistant director? Were there anything or and as a producer? Were, were, was there anything else that maybe inspired you in some way on this film? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, I did a, I did a, a movie with Woody Allen. It wasn't one of, one of the movies in, in Woody's kind of canon that's going to be um, known as, like, one of, one of the great Woody Allen films. It was called Curse of the Jade Scorpion. But um, I, I definitely took away a lot from working with Woody in terms of, you know, letting, uh, working with the actors and how, how his camera interacts with the actors. And I like there were a few pieces that I'd sort of thought of as sort of Woody Allen blocking. Right. You know, um, there was also, I did a movie called the producers, uh, yeah. musical that Susan Stroman directed and Mel Brooks, of course, um, was sort of like the creative force behind. Yeah. And I, the, there, that, that sort of creative team helped me out a lot with the, uh, the Mikado stuff because Susan, right. one of Susan's, um, People, uh, James Gray came and choreographed that whole sequence for me, and so that's sort of definitely. I definitely took a lot away from Susan Stroman and how she, you know, blocks musical comedy in the way that we did um, the uh, Mikado sequence. So yeah, like I bought, I took little bits and pieces from everywhere that I that I worked. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and of course, BB Newworth and Eric Bergen were in the movie because yeah. I knew them from, from Madam Secretary. Right, right. And, and yeah, you, uh, speaking of, of some of the other supporting cast, uh, the, the, 
the, so many of the supporting cast are great. Willie Carpenter uh, gets so many great laughs in this movie. Uh, he is hilarious in his role, uh, and and the of course the the kind of quartet of of women in the Mikado are are all excellent. Um, was was casting casting their roles, getting these these kind of quirky uh, older retirees. Was that a difficult process? You know, a little bit difficult, but like. But joyful because, you know, Paul Schnee, who was our casting director, brought in great people. And New York has a depth of just these amazing actors. And you find somebody like, for example, I mean, obviously, Annie Potts, who played Ingrid's mother in the movie, is, you know, famous and and wonderful. But, you know, you may not know Rosemary Prince, who plays Gert and who is, you know, 87 years old. Yeah. Um, but Rosemary Prince was like a was a big soap opera star in her day. You know, for, I think she was on one of the soaps for twenty years. Wow! You know, as a regular, and she came out and she sang and she danced at eighty seven. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. And she was funny, and her comic timing was, I thought, terrific. Oh, for sure. Yeah, all of their comic timing was was fantastic there. So especially my my favorite was was Helen, uh, played by I, Helen. Yeah. Yes. Durand. Yes, she was fantastic. I, I already mentioned yeah. the best scene hitting on Jermaine's character. Uh, just no, I fantastic. loved her. I loved her. She was wonderful. And you know, the funny thing is, you know, this is. I mean, I first worked with her on a movie. I was a PA on a movie called Awakenings, a Penny Marshall movie called Awakenings, yeah. when I first started in New York. And Laclanche Durand was on was in that movie, and I so I've I've kind of known her for for a really really long time, but. It, so it was funny to have her come be in the movie, but she was not like when I wrote the movie, I sort of like envisioned this sort of like simmering sex pot and it wasn't, that's not who she is. Right. Yet she made the role interesting and she made it her own and she made it real and she made it funny. And I, I think she just does a terrific job in the movie. And, and I love how she rounds out that character just with her humanity yeah. Yeah, I thought she was wonderful. So you've got a, a lot going on. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, you, you produce and have directed episodes of Madam Secretary. Uh, this film is, is coming out, releasing in New York uh, on January 12th and in L.A. on January 19th. Are there any other projects on the horizon for you that you're able to talk about? Yeah, I'm cooking up some interesting stuff, but I'm I'm maybe gonna like not talk so much about it. <laughs> sure, absolutely, I understand that. <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, well, but, say- but soon, but soon I'll talk more about it. But awesome. there there are some interesting things cooking. Well, we definitely uh, are going to be on the lookout for those. Uh, Humor Me is great. Like I said, it comes out in, in New York Appreciate on January twelfth and L.A. on January nineteenth, uh, and, and then- also it comes out in Florida. Too. Oh, does it? Not a lot long yet. Yeah, it's going to come out in Florida and South Carolina. It comes out on the 19th and the 26th, Perfect. Uh, all over sort of South Florida. So anybody who's got like a grandmother or an aunt <laughs> or a, even a parent who's in the Boca or Delray or Fort Lauderdale region for the winter could go check it out and uh, probably stay at the mall for like an early bird special dinner. There you go. I, I've got grandparents right in Sarasota, so they'll, I'll make Perfect. sure to tell them to, to go check it out. they got to drive east. There you go. Uh, awesome. <laughs> well, uh, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. This was a, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and, uh, and thanks for the movie. It was great. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. I'm Daniel. You can find me on Twitter at HowitDK. You can follow Next Best Picture on Twitter at Next Best Picture and download the podcast on iTunes and pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to our guest, Sam Hoffman, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.